So good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's exciting to be here this morning to continue our sermon series on Stronger Through the Struggles. And as we really um, wrestle with this topic, we know this is biblical for us. And by the way, I'm Pastor Lori Beth, and I'm so glad to be here with Pastor Laura um, to offer, offer our message this morning. When we think about uh, the biblical idea of being stronger through the struggles, we know that struggles are a part of life. And over and over and over, Scripture tells us if we can navigate through the struggle, we will be stronger on the back end of this. And, and so we just believe there's a lot here to wrestle with. And today I want to think about in terms of, of when we identify those serious struggles in our lives, Usually at the heart of it, somewhere at the nexus, the heart of that struggle, there is some kind of change. Maybe it's a change in your job. Maybe it's a change in marital status. Maybe it's a, a child coming in or leaving the family. Maybe it is a, you're moving. Maybe it's an unexpected change in your financial landscape. Maybe it's just a change in how you have always done something in your life. Maybe it's a change in expectations, or maybe it's a change in your hopes and dreams. But, but I, I bet if you think about um, the changes, the struggles in your life, that at the heart of it is some kind of, of change. And so my wonderment for us today is, how can we thrive in the midst of change? COVID-19 has ended up becoming an incredible teacher to us about this. For those of us that might have been incredibly resistant to change, we have been forced to become adaptive in ways that probably have surprised ourselves. I mean, think about this worship experience and how different it is from what we did two months ago. Uh, think about how you have um, embraced technology in your lives. Think about how social distancing has changed how we shop, how we function in public, how we simply greet one another. But the problem is, we don't embrace change very easily. Left to our own devices, we're going to, um, left to our own devices, we're going to resist change, particularly change that is stressful in our lives. Uh, and so I wonder if you can, can think about a stressful change in your life that you have resisted embracing. And go ahead and pop that into the comments so that uh, you can resonate and share with one another how this has played out in your own life. But my belief is if we can figure this out, if we can figure out how to thrive in the midst of change, we will have unlocked one of the major keys for how we can be stronger through the struggle. How do we look at change in a new light. How do we embrace change instead of resisting, grieving, or avoiding change? So today what I want to do is use um, scripture at uh, three different scriptures so that they can each make one point for us, uh, give us one clue as to how we might embrace change. So the first one is from Ecclesiastes 3 verses 1 through 8, and these verses should sound familiar to you. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. There's a season for everything and a time for every matter under the heavens. A time for giving birth and a time for dying. A time for planting and a time for uprooting what was planted. A time for killing and a time for healing. 
A time for tearing down and a time for building up. A time for crying and a time for laughing. A time for mourning and a time for dancing. A time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones. A time for embracing and a time for avoiding embraces. A time for searching and a time for losing. A time for keeping and a time for throwing away. A time for tearing and a time for repairing. A time for keeping silent and a time for speaking. A time for loving and a time for hating. A time for war and a time for peace. So I know you're thinking it. I know you are. To everything turn, turn, turn. There is a season turn, turn, turn. Okay, I'm stopping. But I am very excited that I finally got to play the egg on uh, the camera and the microphone because that's what I do when I'm behind uh, the camera. Um, but yes, this passage from Ecclesiastes is a reminder that our, our first clue is change is natural. Change is a part of God's created order. And so a part of our work is to accept that change is okay. And I truly do believe this, that from the moment we die to the, or born to the moment we die, we are constantly changing. Like change is part of God's MO, is part of God's creation. And so um, I, I believe then that this is part of what we are called to embrace and to, to be able to, to do. Um, I think there's an order to the larger picture and that when we understand like Ecclesiastes frames that there is a continuum that we're constantly moving back and forth on, then we have to accept the fact that change is um, natural. Change is a, a constant, which is kind of a, an oxymoron. Um, but I also love the fact that Ecclesiastes says this not with cynicism, not with frustration, but very realistically. And so when we can accept that life becomes part of these polarities, then we can um, maybe reduce the times we feel disappointed because life doesn't act the way that we want it to act or that we think that it should. Like we want to be in one of these um, continuums, but we, um, we also want to, um, we realize that it is, um, we're not going to be able to stay in just the good parts of that continuum. And I think what is also interesting is that um, the scripture doesn't say that one is better than the other. And in fact, uh, we oftentimes um, find that it might be, while one of these um, continuums might be painful, they're difficult, they're undesirable, but at another moment, they actually might be necessary or helpful in another situation. So sometimes we have to demolish and tear down something in order to build it back up. In order to experience true joy, we have to know what sorrow is. Uh, and so um, change is not this evil, sinful part of life. 
It is part of natural, God's natural created order and part of God's timing. And I truly do believe that if we are um, part of God's creation and placed in this world, this beautiful world that God has given us, then we actually do have the ability to thrive in the midst of the changes in God's creation. We have this capacity within us. Uh, so Laura, I wonder if um, you can think of times or have thoughts when, uh, for how we might better accept change as part of this natural order, even though it's hard. Yeah. Um. So I think for me, part of it has to do with kind of reorienting how, how we look at it, how I look at it, um, that when we see change as something that's forced on us, then it's, it's like more like something that we have to resist. And, um, and so I'm, I'm thinking about how we shift to looking at it as something to adapt to. In scripture, we see that one of our core functions as human beings is to love. And so um, when we're faced with change and we feel our heels starting to dig in and, and we're starting to resist, I wonder how we can pivot to thinking um, in, and seeing how we can be most loving in, a, in response to the changes that we're experiencing around us. And loving towards ourselves, loving towards our family and friends, loving towards our community, even those that we might never meet. Um, and so a, a quote that, that I've been thinking about a lot about recently that sort of speaks to this is from a book called Emergent Strategy. It's on how we shape change and change the world. And Adrienne Marie Brown says in that book, when we're engaged in acts of love, we humans are at our best and most resilient. The love and romance that makes us want to be better people, the love of children that makes us change our whole lives to meet their needs, the love of family that makes us drop everything to take care of them, the love of community that makes us work tirelessly with broken hearts. Um, so I think this, this quote reminds me that, that um, love can be a great motivator in helping us embrace change and adapt to it. I love that because it, Love is one of those emotions and practices that can help prepare us to react to whatever part of that continuum we might find ourselves on um, and to get through it. Uh, and as we talked about yesterday, maybe a, a helpful tool for you to, with this first point of accepting change as a part of, of God's natural order is the serenity prayer. And Reinhold Niebuhr actually wrote that, uh, even though we're more familiar with the, the version from the 12-step program, I want to share his original version. Uh, he said, God, give us grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things that should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish one from the other. Those are powerful words and a strategy to help us thrive in the midst of change by embracing it and not fighting it tooth and nail and to be able to accept that there are things outside of our control. Uh, but this prayer has helped so many people release the things that were just dominating their lives, the struggles in their life, and to release them to God. And maybe, maybe that prayer will be helpful for you today. However, it is incredibly challenging for us to, to know, we can know this is true in our minds. We know this is true, but it doesn't mean that it's easy for us to accept it in our hearts and to embrace change. 
and it's so strange. There have been studies out there uh, that people who would even is a life or death situation will still be resistant to change. Like folks that have undergone uh, open heart surgery, there's a high percentage of people that still won't change their diet or their exercise patterns, even though it really can be a life or death situation for them. And so if we can't trust ourselves to embrace change, then maybe as people of faith, what we can do is lean into when God is doing something new. When God is bringing change into our lives, let's try and trust God. So that takes us to our second scripture. I'm going to read a few verses before a te text pops up on the screen. I just want you to hear, hear these words of encouragement of God for us. From Isaiah 43, I'm going to read the first three verses. But now says the Lord, the one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, don't fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be scorched and flame won't burn you. I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then God says this, most importantly in verse 18. Don't remember the prior things. Don't ponder ancient history. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? I'm making a new way in the desert, paths in the wilderness. I love this passage from Isaiah because it reminds us that uh, change is hard, and we need encouragement along the way. We absolutely do. And that God is present because God is present with us because God loves us and God is our Savior. And, the, and these new things that, that God are doing, part of, it, part of it is the path that God is cutting through the wilderness, that is cutting through the struggles of our life, that is cutting through the storms that rage around us. And that ultimate pathway, that, that new thing that God did, actually was Jesus. And that pathway from the cross to the empty tomb is, is such a, a, a new thing that, that gives us strength. And in fact, Scripture says, you know, forget, forget the struggles. The Exodus, that was an amazing thing God did. But forget that and the difficulty there. Because this new thing is so amazing, there's just going to be celebration everywhere. Water from a rock, like in the wilderness, psh, that's nothing. It's going to be a river of water um, supplying your every need. And so Isaiah reminds us, this God we love, this God we worship, is the God of unexpected. It's the God who reminds us that there is always the possibility of opportunity for tides to turn, for circumstances to change, for that cross to become the empty tomb. And so uh, when I think about new things God has done in my life, one that comes to my mind is that uh, one of the churches that I served, uh, we ended up buying a parcel of land outside of town because we realized with our visioning that our current building was completely limiting the the ministry the kingdom work of that church but then God ended up doing a new thing and placed within the heart of one of the lay people a vision not to move out of town to leverage that property and to buy and restore an auto dealership 
and to, to move that new church, move that new thing into that new space. And it was beautiful to watch the gears shift and change. It wasn't easy to figure all of that out, but that was God's new thing for that church. And they were faithful to follow through and are thriving because of it now. I wonder if you've experienced in your own personal life God doing a new thing and how in the world did you get through it? Yeah, so, so I think back to um, early in my ministry when I was first uh, starting out as a solo pastor and it was beautiful because I was living into the calling that, that God had placed on my life and I was um, enjoying getting to fulfill this new role. But at the same time, I was living by myself in the parsonage for the first time without roommates. Um, so that was a new experience. And then I was in a community where I didn't really know anyone other than the people that I was meeting in my congregation. And I was also, um, there was a difficult relationship at, at that time where I was struggling with a decision that someone had made um, that was affecting me. And um, there were two things that really helped me uh, get through those changes and to find a way to thrive in the midst of that. And um, um, the first was a short prayer that, that I would say sometimes many times a day um, related to this decision that this person had made. And um, I would pray, Lord, you know that I want you to change this person's heart. But if you can't change theirs or if you won't change theirs, then change mine. Mm. Um, and, and that prayer was really a, a touchstone for me. Um, and slowly my heart did change <laughs> and, and I found peace. And the other thing that helped me um, find that peace were some Sabbath practices, uh, working in my garden regularly where I was growing a lot of delicious vegetables, and then a weekly art lesson with a clergy colleague that was helping um, me to be creative and also process all that God was, was doing in my life. And so I think God used those three intentional practices, the prayer and the gardening and the art, um, to bring healing and to draw me closer into the heart of God and to cultivate that inner strength that I needed to get through this time of change and to, to move to a place of thriving in that, that new reality that I found myself in. Oh man, Laura, I love that because first of all, just the, the use of creativity to respond to a new thing because part of being creative is to create a new thing. And so it was like God was using some of your own creative ability to celebrate that new things can happen all the time um, in our lives. But I also really love that prayer because that is, that's a powerful lesson just in what you said because so often we want the other people to change we want the other the circumstances to change and and i do like the way you couch it if that can't happen god <laughs> if that can't happen change me mm -hmm. then please help me change me and that can be uh, a, a powerful a powerful tool uh key clue into thriving in the midst of change and so that it reminds me of a lesson from Alan Dutchman's Change or Die a book Change or Die and he offers three keys to change that first um, to relate leads to new hope to new hope repeat leads to new skills and reframe leads to new thinking and I think it's worth to, to take a minute to explain what that means um, so he says, first is relate. You form new emotional relationships with a person or a community, and that inspires and sustains hope. So this new relationship or this community then has to do a couple of things. It has to sell you on the ability that you can actually change. And I think that's interesting, but, but that we do have the ability. we got to believe it. 
Secondly, it's got to sell you on the truth that they are faithful partners willing to, to um, grow with you, to provide resources, to offer knowledge that they're trustworthy change partners for the journey. And then the third thing they have to do in this relationship is to um, sell you on their methods or their strategies so that you um, can trust that they're going to give you the tools you need to change. And all of this then leads to this new hope. It leads to the hope that you can do this. Y'all, the God that we love and worship is particularly good at offering us hope in a future filled with possibility. And I don't think there's a scripture verse that sums it up better than John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, whoever has a relationship with him, will not die but will have eternal life. A hope of a future with amazing possibility. So, the, so relate leads to new hope. The second one is repeat. So these relationships then you begin, they begin to help you learn how to practice and repeat and master habits, um, disciplines, practices that shape you and form you. And when you repeat them over and over and over, they then become second nature. So people of faith would recognize this as the spiritual practices that we are a part of. And that when we practice those, just like you said, the practice of prayer and gardening and creative um, opportunities, Sabbath keeping, that they help us then um, grow stronger in our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with the community. They lead to new skills. The final one is reframe. So these new relationships help us to also think in new ways, um, to look at our life in a new way. And ultimately, when we think back before change occurred, we, we might have never looked at our life in the way we did beforehand. But now, we see things differently. And there is no master better at helping us reframe than Jesus Christ. Through his parables, through his teaching, he is able to take something and turn it upside down in an unexpected ways and to show us to that new way. And here at Boone UMC, one of the things I love about our desire to live into this vision of becoming transformed disciples is that we believe small groups and community groups are ways that can help us do all three of these things. To relate in order to experience new hope, to repeat in order to develop new skills, to reframe in order to develop new thinking because um, we share life together and we, we um, are supported by one another in Christian community so that for a season we've got friends and relationships that can help us thrive in the midst of this change. And so this is a way I think that, that we can help one another celebrate what God is doing, this new thing that God might be doing in our own lives, in our church, in our community, wherever that might be. So here's the last key then for thriving in the midst of change. And it's actually a little bit of an overlap, but it's so important we wanted to to pull it out and highlight it um, because we know that when this new thing happens, when change takes place, we've got to be able to respond to it. How are we personally going to respond when our life shifts and changes? And so Paul actually has a teaching for us from 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. He says, so we aren't depressed 
But even if our bodies are breaking down on the outside, the person that we are on the inside is being renewed every day. Our temporary minor problems are producing an eternal stockpile of glory for us that is beyond all comparison. We don't focus on the things that can be seen, but on the things that can't be seen. The things that can be seen don't last, but the things that can't be seen are eternal. So our third clue is that we need a strong inner self in order to sustain the change. Paul is reminding us that suffering is a part of our life, it is a part of our world, but it won't be part of the future. But it won't be part of our future as Christians. That what surrounds us is temporary. If you, if you look around, wherever you are right now, look around you. And everything that you lay your eyes on, just about every single thing, it is temporary. It will change. With enough time and changes of circumstances around it, it will not be the same. The only thing, the only things that don't change are eternal. So the most important preparation that we can do, both for the future eternal world, but also to um, face the, the changes and the struggles in this world, is to renew our inner self, to, to focus on and strengthen the internal within us. And spiritual practices, like we've already talked about, are ways in which we can do exactly that. And probably the best example where this came into clear focus for me was uh, a couple of years ago when I was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And so, I, I mean, I had trained for like two years for this crazy thing and was expecting how hard it would be physically um, to climb at high elevation. But I was not expecting how hard it was spiritually and mentally. And when I was in the midst of it, my body was responding fine, but really in order to put one foot in front of the other, it was the, the mental and inner self that had, I had to lean into. And that was what I was thankful was also strong because there were moments when I just wasn't sure I was going to be able to do it. And it was the, the mental um, inner self that ended up having to, to be strong and persevere. And so um, there are times in our lives when we are trying to face what is going on around us and the work that we've done, the prayer practices, the worship, the reading of scripture, the conversations with Christian friends, Holy Communion, all of these things help strengthen the internal within us. And so that helps us to have that strong, renewed inner self. So, um, as we kind of wind up the, our thoughts here. I think, um, I, I love that. And, and I think there's such a, um, a tension, but not in the negative way of, of the inner strength, but also the communal aspect that, I mean, I remember you talking about, yes, you have the inner strength, but also you had the team that you were hiking with and the encouragement that, that they were. And um, in thinking about those three practices and talking about community groups, I was just thinking about how um, reading 
back in, in uh, seminary about John Wesley and who started the Methodist movement and he would not preach in a place where there were not class meetings and band meetings, mm-hmm. those small groups set up because he knew it was so important. Yes, our relationship with God is, is something that is personal and that is, you know, deeply, you know, individual, but it is not private. It is something that is to be shared in community, and it's in those communal relationships where we can draw strength um, to continue our personal journey. And so I I think that's one of the things that during this time where we're not uh, physically interacting Mm -hmm. with people as much, it can be it can be kind of hard to to know how to continue that community, especially if you aren't already in a a set group. Um, But I think that as a church, whether it's connecting through comments this morning on, on social media or finding ways to plug into new Bible studies that are being offered, that, that there's such importance for us and our personal journey in connecting with other people that are on the journey with us. Yeah, thank you. That powerful reminder, we were not called to do this alone. We just weren't. Um, Christ modeled for us, even in his own earthly minister ministry, the power of community and having... Um, friends to travel with us on the journey. And so our hope for you today is that uh, in, in figuring out that you can thrive in the midst of change, that change is natural and part of, first of all, our first step is to accept it, that it is um, natural. Secondly, that um, um, God is doing a new thing. So trust what God's doing trust God's changes and not necessarily our own. (laughs) And then thirdly, that we do need to tend to the inner self so we can be ready to respond to um, the, the, the challenges that change brings us. So we were created to be a vital part of God's creation and world and the timing of all of that. And because we are a vital part of it, we do within us have the capacity to thrive and respond to change. And um, even though some of us are, are, tend to be resistant to it, we really are wired to adapt to it. And I think um, not only do I really want you to hear we can do this, but I think if you think about what's happened with COVID-19, you will see that um, you have already responded to change in powerful ways. And so think of the church. Oh my gosh, all the church is probably one of the most change-resistant institutions in the entire world, across the entire world. And yet look how in a matter of days and certainly weeks, uh, not only Boone United Methodist Church, but all of our churches have responded and adapted in just powerful, beautiful ways. A lot of good has come out of um, trusting our ability to to change uh, that we might not have ever, ever allowed ourselves to experience because of our fear of change. And remember that God is leading the way through whatever the fire or the flood or the storm that might be raging in your own life, uh, and that with new hope and new skills and new thinking and this strengthened inner self, we can thrive in the midst of any change that life throws our way. And for that, I just give thanks. I give thanks for the ways that God prepares us and travels with us. Um, And I hope that this word of hope uh, encourages you as well today. Thanks. Thanks.